Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Beelis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today, we're continuing on in our current series, Blind Spots, by talking about a particularly sneaky one, self-sufficiency. For many of us, the desire to do it ourselves and be independent can be incredibly strong. But today, our friends Hope Blinton and Christine Gordon of At His Feet Studies help us understand the beauty of dependence. In case you don't know them, Hope Blinton is wife to Ray and mother of three. She earned her master's in clinical social work at Temple University, and she works as a counselor in San Antonio. And Christine Gordon is wife to Michael and mother of three. She earned her master of arts in theological studies at Covenant Seminary. Hope Blaine and Christine Gordon, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. It is so fun to be back with you, girl. We're back. Yeah. This is like at least the third time, yes. but you've been on the blog many times. So you're basically the OG Journey Women guest, which makes me so happy because I just <laughs> got done telling you that I would actually not be mad if Journey Women <laughs> was just a collaboration with At His Feet Studies for every episode. Oh my gosh, that'd be so fun. We're here for that. Yes. <laughs> Let me do proper introductions. Hope, Chris, you guys are my mentors even at a distance, which everybody knows we would all encourage you to have mentors in your proximity because it's so much better. And I wish that I could live close to both of you so that I could just hang out on your doorstep all day long. But by God's grace, you have uh, allowed me to contact you for many years now through many moves (laughs) when I am processing through many various problems. (laughs) So... (laughs) The beauty of getting to talk to Hope and Chris is that you have a really well-rounded perspective and approach to any problem that you face when you're talking to Hope and Chris. And here's why. Chris, (laughs) she has the theological mind and she actually has her degree from Covenant Seminary. It's the Master of Arts and Theological Studies, right, Chris? Is that right? M-A-T-S. Yep. So she's kind of the theological brain. And then you have... Hope, who also has a very theological brain, but who helps us put that theology into practice because she is a therapist. That's right. And so she asks really good questions Mm. and helps you get to the heart of the issue. So I know that you guys are going to do that for us today, but I also want to mention that you guys do that through your Bible studies. And that's how I initially met you. Uh, You asked me to endorse one of your Bible studies, and I really love your studies. And I'm about to pick one of the studies to do at some point, maybe Lamentations, because it's about to come out, right? When does that come out? That comes out in January 2023. We're working on it right now. 
love it because I'm going to be in the newborn haze and the studies reach women in every season. But I think particularly if you are in a season where you need a little bit of extra help, if you've got some brain fog going on, like you'll see I have going on in this conversation today, then at his feet studies are A-OK. They are awesome. And um, I'm so grateful for your labor of love just to help women know and love God through his word. That's exactly the heartbeat that we share here at Journey Women. So today we're going to talk about blind spots. When we're thinking about blind spots, this is something that you can't see. It's like that thing next to your car in the rear view mirror that you can't really see in the rear view mirror and you can't really see it in the side mirrors. Right. And you almost swerve and hit it. (laughs) Yes. Yep. It's totally going to impact you at some point if you don't become aware of it, right? But we're talking about behavioral blind spots, ways that we might be functioning that we don't even know are putting us in danger. And today we're going to talk about the blind spot of self-sufficiency. So don't DM me, guys, but (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we all know that self-sufficiency is one of my major idols, one of my blind spots. So Mm -hmm. let's dig right in. Hope. How would you define the blind spot of self-sufficiency? So I think a good way to define it is that we think we can do it all on our own and we don't need help from anybody, friends, family, or God. And in particular, we don't think we need help from God for like regular things that God has called us to, like getting through a stressful meeting or fighting with our husbands or Mm -hmm. making decisions about small things that feel insignificant, like getting a third dog, because we just did. (laughs) So it's (laughs) it's dependent on him and all the areas. And self-sufficiency tells us the lie that we aren't and that we don't need to be. Chris, do you have anything to add to that? Just that. (laughs) I mean, I've heard her say it before, but I'm like, we think there are these separate categories. Here's the category over here where I'm good. I don't really need God. I got this. And then here's the category over here where I ask for things. And like, nope. They're all in the you need help category. We just don't, we don't function that way. We don't Mm -hmm. think of life that way. We don't think about the fact that he is literally holding all things together. But he is. Mm -hmm. I function this way a lot. I lament that. What are some ways that we might see that in our lives if we haven't really thought about that before? Like what might this look like in our lives? And how might we be prone to relying on ourselves instead of relying on God? You know, because I'm a therapist, I see stuff in my office. It's kind of like a little experimental lab where I get to watch and listen to people all the time. And people, they feel like they've got to take care of every part of themselves, physically, emotionally, spiritually, managing all of it. That Jesus saved them, but like they've got to take it from there kind of thing. And so you've got to be the one that calms yourself. You've got to have the good parenting idea. You've got to figure out all the financial stuff versus realizing you can go to God with all the things and ask for practical wisdom and advice from the Holy Spirit about all those little things, you know, that you feel like you've got to be in charge of. Like Jesus did the salvation piece, but you know, you've got to take care of the rest. No, it's this holistic version of the gospel in all these nooks and crannies in your life. Yeah. I wish I could just keep that top of mind. So hard. (laughs) You know, I see this behavior in my daily life. And what's hard about it is you don't even really realize 
that you're functioning in that mode Absolutely. until something goes like so wrong and you're like, oh, wow, I was really trying to muscle my way up there instead of just pausing and asking the Lord for help. So when we're doing that, when we are relying on ourselves, we're not acknowledging our need for help. We're not looking to the Lord as our source of strength. What is it that we're expressing? Like, what are we saying when we decide to rely on ourselves instead of like looking to the Lord as our help? I'd say we're we're expressing an unbiblical anthropology, meaning we are saying what we believe about humans has nothing to do with what the Bible says about humans. That's what we're doing. Because mm. we're saying something other than the fact that we are made to be dependent, which is what the Bible says about humans. Because God made Adam and Eve, put them in the garden, gave them everything they needed, and also gave them limits and made them to live as dependent creatures. So when we rely only on ourselves and say, no, 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 I want to be self-sufficient. What we're saying is I reject the created order of God. I reject the fact that you made me to be dependent both on you and on other people. I'm going to choose instead to turn over here and say, no, no, I'm going to live this different way. I don't like your order or your plan. I'm going to try to be self-sustaining. It's an unbiblical anthropology. Okay, so how do we fix that? <laughs> Even in, from the very beginning, like you're talking about, you know, the garden. We see yeah. that God created them, commissioned them, communed with them, and then he covered them, right? So even from the very beginning, you see they need his help. They're naked. Yeah. <laughs> They're ashamed. They got to get they got to get something better than these fig leaves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that flashes forward to see how he covers us by the blood of his son, Jesus. So if we know that our God is sufficient to meet all of our needs in Christ Jesus, then why do we still struggle with this idol of self-sufficiency? And why every day do we wake up thinking like, OK, you got to do all these things without looking to the Lord as my strength? That is our heart for sure. I mean, when it comes down to it, it could be different things every day, right? Some days it's just pride and arrogance and we don't want to turn. Some days it's despair. I think the heart of it, though, is that it sounds too good to be true. Hmm. That the fact that the God of the universe would actually bend down and lend his power and authority to me, to like sinful, fickle, hard-hearted me. Uh -huh. It sounds too good to be true. And so we we either want to earn it or we, we do one of those two sides of pride. You know, it's the turtle where we hide ourselves. No, not me. I'm too ashamed. What? You wouldn't do this for me. Or we're the, we're the other side. We're the peacock where we're like, I'm so great, but we don't believe it on the inside. And it's uh, the fact that he would do such a thing, believing that, believing his love is actually real that he wants to keep doing that, that nobody forces him, that he chooses to love us in that way. That's the lack of faith. But our hearts bend the other way mm -hmm. all the time. And so we keep coming back to this place. We go, no, I have to do it. No, I have to do it. No, I do it my big self. Like my daughter used to say when she was little. All the time. <laughs> she still says, now she makes fun of herself. I'll say, do you want some help with that? No, I do it my big self. Because she, know, she knows that's her tendency, but that's not just her. That's all of us. You know, It's mm -hmm. hard to believe that it's not shameful to need that help, that he actually loves us and wants to do it. It's, I think it's too good to believe. So what did God intend for us instead? I love that you brought out as well, just in a really simple phrase, like he also gave us each other. Yes, he's given us his son, Jesus. And then also he's given us the gift of community. And I think that sometimes that's one of the primary ways that he 
helps us, right? By giving us one another to do life together, like so that we can learn how to do all the things that he commanded, you know, yes. to love our neighbors and to serve him with gladness, all these things. So can you talk about that a little bit? We don't talk about this very much, but at least not in the circles I'm in. But if you think about the beginning and, and we're still pre-fall, okay? So like pre-sin, there's this chorus that goes on through the creation account that God says over and over, it was good, it was good, it was good. Yeah. So God created this and it was good. Morning and evening, the first day and it was good. Okay. And the first time that that refrain is broken, he says, mm. not good, low tav in the Hebrew. But what he's talking about is not that Adam wasn't good. He's talking about the fact that Adam was alone. So it wasn't mm. a, a problem with Adam in, a, in and of himself. It wasn't sin. It wasn't some shortcoming of his or something he did wrong. It wasn't his shame. It was the fact that Adam was a creature made in the image of God for community and intimacy, but he didn't have somebody to do that with. Hmm. That was what was not good. So if you can think this is what the generous God who made the garden and everything good in it, this is what he did on purpose was made you with this need for other people. That wasn't a mistake. And it's still not a mistake when you have that need for other people. The bad is when you're trying to do it alone. It's like trying to make a popsicle in an Instapot. I mean, it's just not, it's not what you're made for. You know what I mean? Like we were created. It's not a product of the fall that we need other people. That is pre-fall. That is on purpose. But again, our hearts bend the other way. I want to do it my big self. I don't want to need other people. I feel ashamed that I'm so needy. I shouldn't be this way. No, 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 no. That's part of your design. You're supposed to need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a way, too, that, you know, you look at that account, like we were talking about in Genesis 1, they were made to reflect him. They were made in his image. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's another really interesting thing about the creation account, right? That you see, like, the whole trinity present at creation. Mm -hmm. And so, like, they have fellowship with one another, God the Father, God the Spirit, and Jesus Christ. They have fellowship with one another. And so this... Like, it's a, another way that he's given us to image him. Is oh, yeah. that right? Yes. Theological brains? Yes. Sure. Yes. Sure. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I need to check yeah. with you. <laughs> and they're communing even now. You know, they're still communing. Like, God is always communing three parts in one. And so it's just like, that's such a visual for us about what that, you know, that intended design is. Yeah. We think that we, like, especially I would say in the West, we, we get in our heads that the goal is independence. Like if I get really right. mature and grow up in this thing, I'm not going to need these other people. But that is false. That is a Western falsehood. The goal is intimacy. And it always was. So when we're trying to work our way out of that need, that is a false goal. Yeah, I really, really like that because you know, again, you're talking about kind of the dichotomy of fully relying on self versus relying on God. I think sometimes we can think we're just going to rely on God and we're not going to allow other people mm -hmm. to come alongside us and help. So mm -hmm. what does that look like to rely on the Lord and also to lean into the gift of community that he's given us as we tackle our to-do list? So if we start with him, like our relationship with him, he intends us to talk to him about everything. 
So not just things that we would call spiritual, but like basic things. Some examples could be like, for me, you know, every day it's like conversations with clients or my children or my husband. I literally ask in my head for the Holy Spirit to help. Like I lean and be like, help me, help me, help me. You know, it can also look like asking for help when you feel, when you're filled with inner angst about what people think of you or how Mm -hmm. sad you might be. Like these are the conversations between you and him. And even things like provisions about groceries or a car, you know, the greatest teacher for me, which we've talked about before on Journey Women, has been my anxiety. You know, it's been so debilitating that I've had to beg for help to do basic things at times like get out of the bed or go to the grocery store. I mean, that if that's not dependence like 101, I don't know what is, you know. Yeah. And so that's shown me that I can rely on him in all these ways, you know, pushing towards reliance over self-sufficiency. And then it like, then it bleeds out into, okay, well then he uses people, right? So sometimes in the example of the anxiety, he, you know, he might be like, well, you need to call your friend to go to the grocery store with you, or you need to call your friend over to pray for you while you're in the bed. So it, then it's like, he kind of pushes it out and then uses the body. So it's like this fluid dynamic, but it starts with you just talking to him about everything. You know, you need to process with him about everything, not just like, Lord, I pray for patience, even though I asked for that today. I'm not going to lie. But it's more like this, like conversation with him where you are begging him for help because he is so ready and wanting to, you know, and then it leads to that connection with others, too. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. I know for me, I've had seasons where I'm like, well, I want to mm-hmm. like be able to access like people in my community and say like, hey, would you come pray with me by the, by my bed, for example? Yeah. And you're like, there ain't nobody here. And I know there's somebody listening who's like, oh, yeah, that that in theory is really nice to think that maybe you would have someone who would help you on one of those days. Mm-hmm. But talk about that hope. Like, how does he use sometimes seasons where we may not have yep. somebody that we can reach out to? Maybe we've just moved and we don't yet have a church family or you know, maybe our community just is struggling yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to see yeah. how they can help. How does God use that yep. then to turn and press us even deeper into him? Because I've experienced that. And I wonder if some of the listeners might be experiencing that 
even now. Absolutely. That's a great point. And and I have lived all of that. Like everything you listed, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. I remember when we moved to seminary, they were, were newly married. It's like 20 years ago, I moved to Philadelphia. And I remember being like, I know no one. It's like before cell phones, y'all. I was like, I know nobody <laughs> here. Like I could go to the grocery store and die on the way home and they wouldn't even know, you know, who to call. <laughs> And I remember thinking, <laughs> and I remember the Lord's like, but I'm here. And I knew you, wow. I knew you when you were, before you drove here, I knew you on the drive wow. here and I know you right now. And so there were, mm-hmm. so I think those, those seasons of hmm. loneliness and feeling like there is no one to call to pray for you in your bed is these moments where it's like you experience this rich intimacy because he just draws you deeper in and deeper in because there's nothing else, you know, and it's, it's not that friends are bad or anything. You know, a lot of times I hear people say, well, I shouldn't go to my friends first. I should go to God. And sometimes I'm like, well, you know, I don't know if we should make such a blanket statement, but the bottom line is, is that when these things are gone from us, you know, it's always this stripping and then he's always still standing there, you know, and it just drives you into this place where, you talk to the person that's there and it's Jesus, right? In those moments where you're lonely and there's no one else there. And then there's just this, it creates this relationship that then when moments come and go, seasons come and go with being new or moving or feeling lonely, you draw from this thing that's been building for year after year, minute after minute, and it rescues you. Yeah, I think about that verse about being rooted and built up but that that's how the rootedness happens is that that cycle of like i feel desperate i look for you you answer me i know that you're near me i come back to calm i feel desperate i run to you you like that cycle that hope just talked about is training your heart hundreds yeah. of times yes that's how you become rooted i mean it's a hard process and i would so much rather be like the way to rootedness is tcby yogurt and a yoga class. I mean, that I can do. But that's uh, I mean, don't get me wrong; those things help. But you know, <laughs> but you're right. It's it's this what Chris is saying. It's this training of the heart. I mean, even I was boxing Chris this morning in our admin about something that I've been struggling with, and I was like, "Listen, because of years and years and years of of the dynamic of despair and God showing up, mm-hmm. I have no doubt He will. Even though I still physically feel sad and in despair, I know, I know He's coming." And that's training of that dependence in those moments over years, you know, the hard, the hard moments, like those aren't wasted. He is building this relationship between you through this dependence on him that literally will be like a hammock that catches you when you feel in despair because you know he's going to show up. That's Romans 5, right? I was just in this passage for a while this week. That is the suffering leads to endurance, leads to character, leads to hope. Every t- but it's like that cycle over and over and over. Your suffering leads to endurance, leads to character, leads to hope. Hope in Him. That's how it happens. Yeah. He wants us to understand more rightly who we are and just how much we need Him. And then He wants us to understand more rightly who He is and just how much He's rescued us. You know, yeah. And I think that's an expression of humility, a right understanding of who we are and our need for God and for his help. So how can we walk in that humility? How can we begin to accept the limits that he has given to us and just continue to trust God more? Mm -hmm. I think it helps if we figure out what they are first. 
I mean, to actually name them, maybe to start the name them. We have all kinds of limits depending on what season you're in, what's going on with your body, what's being required of you right now. You know, like Hunter, you have this large limit. Literally. Which you you showed me a <laughs> literal large limit right now. Not all the listeners know I have a 34-week pregnant <laughs> belly as we are recording. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And everybody has something. Maybe it's a disability or maybe it's chronic pain or maybe it's anxiety or depression or maybe it's just that you got little kids right now or you're the only one who cleans your house. You know what I mean? You have these limits as a finite human and you were never meant to be limitless. And so part of it is we name what those are and realize that God has allowed them and that they are not the enemy, that those limits. And somehow if we get to the end, to the place where we have overcome all of those, we we've won. That is not the goal. The goal is in the midst of all of those to learn to commune with him. Like Hope was just talking about, the goal is not to change the environment and all your circumstances and conquer it all. The goal is in the midst of that to be with him, to welcome him in, to let him be with you and change you. That intimacy, that dependency, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And he uses that so much. You know, I think about past guests that we've had on the show, whether it be somebody who, like Johnny Erickson Tata, you know, she right. can't walk. Yep. Like these are limits, right? You can't, it, that that creates like so much more hardship in her life. And yet God's used that as such a platform for ministry and to magnify who he is and to make himself strong through her story. You know, that's just one little example that came to mind as you were talking. So that's obvious, like how that's a gift. I think sometimes for me, it's harder for me to see those limits as a gift. I can see it in other people. Like I can see like, even with you, Hope, you've really wrestled with anxiety and I can see how he uses Mm -hmm. that to like help you minister to other people who are struggling with anxiety. And, you know, to use your story as an encouragement to those of us who feel really weak, you know, Hope, the therapist who like (laughs) knows and loves God, like so much more than me, she struggles too. So how can we begin to see our limits as a gift? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think exactly what you kind of said in that you said, you know, I can see it in other people's lives and it creates this thing in them, you know, and that design is not just for these other people you're looking at. It's for all of us, right? Like he uses these limits to create intimacy with him, which we've been talking about and, and that we're designed for. So it pushes us towards that. Then it also like pushes us into this vulnerable place with others, which is what the community is designed for. So both of these dynamics, God and community in these places with limits, they push against self-sufficiency and they push us towards the design. So think of it like a really strong river, like these limits push us towards God and his people and they just make us closer to him, like we've been talking about. And so it's not like an equation that you're going to be like, okay, Hunter, I've got to do A plus B equals C in order to get this. Like God is going to do this in you. How <laughs> did you know? I just kind of know you a little bit, just a little bit. But, but we all do, right? You know, half the, at least half the people are like, okay, well, how do we do this? Well, it's like, guess what? He's going to do it because he's designed uh. us for dependence. And so he's going to push us towards him and his people with our limits in order to to do all of this, to make us more intimate with him and others and to and to grow in our knowledge of him. So it's it's all very well thought out by the Lord, who is all wise and has doesn't need a counselor, Romans eleven, right? You know, so it's like it's not just for others, 
as in you see it happening in the lives of others. He's doing it right now in y'all's lives. Whoever's listening, he is doing this in your life. And we're just kind of bringing your attention to it. That leaning away from self-sufficiency and in to him and into understanding your limits and being okay with them is actually bringing you closer to him. Praise God. Yeah. It's upside down. That's what it, be, it feels backwards. It's counterintuitive. Yes. You know, and you think about Jesus' whole ministry was upside down. It's the upside down kingdom. The economy of the kingdom of God is nothing like what we're used to. It's always the inversion, the weak or strong. You know, the poor or rich, instead of being when we're the most powerful, we're the most like God. No, when we're the most powerless, that's when we find him. It's upside down. What does dinner time look like in your house? Is it a little chaotic and crazy like it is at mine? Let me tell you about Prep Dish and how they can help you simplify your evenings. You've probably heard us talk about Prep Dish in the past, and maybe you've thought, Man, I just don't have time to meal prep. But let me tell you, with Prep Dish, meal prepping for the whole week honestly takes just about one hour with their super fast plan and about two hours for the gluten-free, paleo, and low-carb meal plans. If you need a change in how you handle dinner time at your house, you have got to try Prep Dish. You'll serve up delicious meals that your family will love, like green chili burgers, Caesar salmon wraps, and apricot glazed chicken thighs. Right now, the founder, Allison, is offering our listeners a free two-week trial to try it out. You can't beat that. Check out prepdish.com forward slash journey for this great deal. Again, that's prepdish.com forward slash journey for your first two weeks free. Yes, I think that humility of just starting our day, right, with the knowledge of like, okay, we can't do this in and of our own strength. For some reason, when the alarm goes off at like, right now, I'm in a season where I'm waking up at 520. It's awful. That is awful. You know, when I wake up at 520, it's like, boom, boom, boom. Got to go, got to go, go, go. Got to go get the clothes on. Got to go get the breakfast started. All these different things. For me, one of the ways that I kind of forsake the illusion of self-sufficiency is just to sit down and open up my Bible. That is a discipline that I have developed to help me remember, you know, my need for the Lord. But I'm honestly a little bit nervous about this newborn coming again, which is so funny because this is a fourth time. So you would think I would have it down by now. <laughs> you know, but what does it look like even when we can't lean into those kind of rhythms of of grace, if you will, and you're just trying to just do the best you can with whatever circumstances you're navigating in the morning and forsake this illusion of our own self-sufficiency and just cast ourselves again on the Lord and His all-sustaining grace. Sometimes it looks different, but even before you get out of bed, you know, I sometimes will hear my alarm or because I'm getting older, sometimes I just wake up at 520. That's what I did today too. (laughs) Just like, wait, why am I awake? I don't want to be awake yet. But then, you know, I literally have to say the Lord, well, I'm still here. So you're going to have to help often before I open my eyes. And that is not because I have this well-worn, you know, holy practice. I mean, I have some practices that are well-worn reading my Bible stuff, but honestly, that is because I am desperate because I have children who are difficult at this stage. And I have other things going on in my life that 
he has gotten me to the point because of my limits that I am desperate. And I say to him before I even open my eyes, oh my gosh, I'm still here. You have to help me. Please help me. Please, Holy Spirit, come and calm me down because I want to I want to yell at people and complain. Please help me. I mean, I think we got to start with this assumption of need. And sometimes we feel that need and sometimes we don't, but it's always there. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the graces of getting older? Like you start to feel more palpably, you yeah. know, like your oh, own limits sure. and your need. For, for sure. I mean, part of that is the grace of having teenagers. Honestly, I will just say. Not that you don't feel your need when they're little and you're physically exhaust, exhausted, but there's something else that comes as your kids get older and you have less control, you know, the, totally. the consequences are bigger. I mean, you never had control, but you just, you, you can't fix all their mistakes. You can't fix it with a cookie and you know that your need is big. Yep. For sure. I was at church and, you know, the pastor's preaching and in the middle of a sermon, a little like two-year-old walks into this like gymnasium, you know, and starts saying, dad, 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 like in the middle of the sermon. And the pastor doesn't even flinch. He keeps preaching. But I look over and I see the dad of the little girl and he has this like huge grin on his face and like turns and like scoops her up. I felt like the Lord's like, that's how I feel about prayer. Like when you come with all these things, all your aches and pains, all your neediness, I feel delighted, you know? And so I think it's just kind of, it's that practical step of prayer, you know, and that you can do all day long, no matter what, you know, it's it's not like sitting down for a quiet time where you got to open your Bible, whatever, which those are all so important. It's this thing that you can do you know, while you're walking, while you're driving, while while you're nursing, while you're even in a fight with somebody, right? You know, all of that. So just leaning in, I think, just really creates that dependence. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about the prayer piece. And of course, we can go to him. Sometimes I feel so desperate. I, I don't even feel like I can pray, you know? And yeah. of course, we think a lot about the, the Romans 8 picture where the Spirit is groaning with us, yep. you know, inwardly as we wait. <laughs> like, But the other thing that I picture is Christ praying for us. So sometimes... Yes. I've used this analogy before because for some reason it always happens like when I go and try to do something productive, like put the laundry into the dryer and then something just absolutely hits the fan in the room next door. Like somebody yeah. bites somebody, somebody uh-huh. punches somebody. And you're just, what you want to do is you want to rip out of that dryer and just the wrath. Yes. Like, you know, just oh, feel yes. in my anger because it's like, I can't even put the laundry in the dryer. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> These people, God. Laundry. These people you. And it's yours. These people you it's... gave me, God. For real. They're so messed up. And, but you know what I do in that moment is just imagine. Christ is praying for me. Yes. You know? Absolutely. Because I can't I can't even pray and ask the Lord for help. I'm so mad. But just remembering Christ is praying for me. He's interceding for me right now. For some reason I'm able to walk back into that room, maybe extending a little bit more of the grace that I've received through him. So what are some other ways that we can come alongside each other and encourage each other to embrace our limits for the glory of God? I think you gotta ask which we don't want to do because it feels weird. I mean, I think meaning with other people, we got to ask for help, like literally ask for help, which means you have to be vulnerable. It's so hard because you risk rejection. Maybe I've done that in the past and maybe like it just hasn't been received well. Yeah. that That's the humility piece is like being willing to get back up and ask again, yes. even if it wasn't, you know, handled well 
in times past. Yeah. And part of that is because I think we think they're a mistake. I think we think when we, when we have these needs, we should feel ashamed of them. Like when we need help or encouragement that we should feel bad. So then of course we feel even worse asking, but they're not a mistake. They're not your need for other people's encouragement is not sinful. You are made to need other people. And so what those needs do is they pull you back into your lane as a human. They're like guardrails that keep you on the highway of humanity. And it does feel like rejection, but that is not you failing somehow. That is you being human. And so I think we do to live as dependent creatures. Part of that means we're going to have to ask for help. And I know it is really uncomfortable, but when that ask is met with some sort of compassion, it changes you. Part of how you know God's love and that he, like we talked about, that you think it's too good to be true. Part of how you start to believe that it's not too good to be true is when somebody meets that need with compassion. And then you start to go, oh, oh, what if this is wait, what if this is what God is like? And he's not mad or he's not ashamed of me when I have these needs. What if he met me with the kind of compassion that hope just met me with? Whoa, that's what starts to help you believe the gospel, you know? What do you guys do in your daily life to help kind of create space for you to be able to move toward people in that way? Because I think so many times we want to help, but our day is so jam-packed mm-hmm. full mm-hmm. that we don't have the capacity to come alongside other people and extend um, help in their time of need. And and I think about that with your kids. Like you guys have teenagers. That's got it. You got to think about that when you're building out your schedule because yep. who knows when you're going to need to move towards them in love, right? What does that look like for you guys? Have you just started scheduling less in your day? I think there's a couple different things we're talking about here. One, you mentioned the vulnerability piece. Like, what if you get burned and all that? And then also, you're talking now about like a time efficiency piece. Do I have time to do that, to be vulnerable or to help others, right? All of Mm -hmm. that. You know, and I think, I mean, we could do a whole podcast about all that. I mean, I think the, the vulnerability piece and bearing those burdens. But on the vulnerability piece, the practical level is I go ahead and try to be vulnerable and I kind of test people out to see if they have space to love me in that place, right? And then you kind of figure out who can you go to with all your neediness? And, and, and the answer is not everybody, right? But then as far as the time piece and what you give, I am on the probably the strictest schedule I've ever been on in my life because I, I work yeah. full time. I have three teenagers, one at college, one, you know what I'm saying? And there's just a lot going on. But I think sometimes we minimize what people really need. People don't necessarily need that you're going to drop what you're doing and come over and do everything for them. They just want to know that you're thinking about them and they're not alone. It's not as a big a ask as sometimes I think we make it out to be. It's like a text of like, girl, you doing all right? Mm-hmm. Just know mm-hmm. I'm thinking about them over here too, slugging mm-hmm. away. I mean, that takes 10 seconds. So sometimes I think we've made it bigger than it needs to be of like, I'm going to have to get in there and help solve this problem for them, whatever their struggle is. And that's usually not what they need. They just need a little bit of your presence. And so I think kind of thinking about it in those ways, I try to drop into people's worlds in those small little bite-sized ways when I can, but also Mm -hmm. adhering to my limits. Exactly. That was the thing I was going to say, because sometimes it's that you are really 
like driven to help. And I would categorize myself here where you're like, man, I want to help everybody all the time if I can. Yep. But then sometimes that's an expression of my like humility and embracing my own limits is just acknowledging, man, I really want to help. I want to be of more help, but I can't like I just can't do that and help the primary people that God's given me to help. Exactly. Well. And that's yielding to a limit right there. Right. So that's that's kind of what we were talking about earlier. That's yielding to a limit and being like, I, I got to stay in these guardrails or in this lane. And that's when you just say to God, you know, you, you yeah. pray about that. Right. OK, God, I can't even. You I can meet their need. Yep. Yep. Exactly. You can meet their need. Yeah. OK. There's so much that we could talk about. There's so much on the table here. Do you guys have any parting words before we move towards simple joys? Like do, what what do you want to leave these ladies with? <laughs> In what we were just, in what you guys were just talking about, the only way that we can do that, that we can say no, like I just had a couple asks recently, hey, can you come and drop in on this group and teach this thing? And then another one, hey, can you come to this place? And, you know, there's a church that's using one of our Bible studies. Can you come and join us for this brunch that we're doing? And I initially was like, yeah. And then I went, no, wait. And I had to think about I really need to say no to that. And part of growing and being able to say no and live within your limits and know that you have them and you can trust God with them, I think is knowing that he is the sovereign one who will work in their hearts, not you. Keeping it in perspective that it is his world, his ministry, his church, his spirit. And if I can, I'm going to tell you this little story. So my uh, my husband when he was a new pastor at a church, he he loved to preach. He's great at it. He was kind of learning his voice. And he would always go to this place he called the Seat of Shame. He would sit in it mm. after, which is what a wonderful place for a pastor to be, right? He would give this great sermon. He would go sit in a certain pew in the church. And he called it the Seat of Shame because he would like put his hand in his head, his head in his hands, and he would think about all the ways he screwed up his sermon and how he mm. should have done better. And his mentor at the time would always come next to him. And he would put his hand on his shoulder Mm. and he would say, Michael, let God be God. Meaning you've done your part. You are a limited, finite human who God has graciously chosen to use, but it's his ministry and you got to let it go. And I think as we grow in our belief that God will do what he has promised for all these people and all of their need, it helps us to let him do his work and not take responsibility for the things that are, he hasn't called us to do. And that is a hard thing, but he is sufficient and he loves them more the, than you do. I think that's what helps me. And I want to say to, you mm-hmm. know, as you try to let these things go, first of all, it's scary to be vulnerable, but there are people, if you just hear the two of you, how much people want to love and also God will in his sovereignty, he will give them what they need, both. Well, what are the simple joys of doing that, guys? You know, we always end every episode on this note. You've shared your three simple joys in the past. I'd like to hear, what are your three simple joys of living within your limits? I was just going to say sleep. (laughs) I really love to sleep. (laughs) I need a lot of sleep. I take a nap every uh, pretty much every day. It's not long. It's usually like 23 minutes. I set a timer, but I know that I need, I'm an introvert. I get, I'm easily overwhelmed by lots of things. And so 
part of what I do most every day is just shut it. I have to shut it down. So sleep is one of mine. I would say also things like coffee in the morning because I wake up and I am not ready to be nice to people. So I try to get up before other people and (laughs) drink some coffee. So I'm a little more civil. I have one child in particular who's really, really, really difficult. But the fact that that is true means that we cannot over schedule. Like we have a pretty simple schedule just because we are so limited by him. And sometimes that really serves us well because we're not really going in a thousand directions because we just can't. So I would say those are mine. Yeah, I'd say for me, one of them is just like this quick access to God. You know, like when we live with our limits, we can just be like, help Jesus, help Jesus, help Jesus. And so it's like this, like, oh my gosh, anywhere, anytime I have quick access. And that's just a joy, you know, slowing down and sitting outside. Like when I'm just like, you just need to sit outside and lay in the hammock and do nothing and not be productive. And, you know, and then the other one I think is just, you know, I'm going to say it, cuddle in my dogs. Okay, people. Her chewini. I love it. You know, for me, one of the ways that I've leaned into my limits with having, you know, developed the podcast over the last five years now is acknowledging my need for help by welcoming in childcare. And I get a lot of messages from moms that are like, thank you for saying that. Because I think a lot of times we have this illusion when we're looking at people who are on Instagram and who have like online ministries, if you will, is that they're just doing all this alongside motherhood and they don't have any help. And like, why can't I do that too? You know? And so I'm thinking about Molly, who's watching my kid. And actually another one of my friends who texted me last night and she said, I'm so stressed out. I have this thing to do for my church and I don't know when I'm going to do it. And my kid hasn't started you know, the preschool situation yet. And I said, bring the kid over. We're going to have Molly watch him, pay Molly a little bit extra. And she's mm-hmm. discipling them. It's been such a joy mm. to have a young college student in our home for me to get to be developing relationship with her and for her to have an impact on our kids. I mean, it's just such a blessing. So that's just one little simple joy that I'm experiencing in this season of leaning into my limits. There's so many different people who have had an impact on the way that I embrace my God-given limits. I would say you guys are two of the primaries in this season of my life. So thank you so much. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on the way that you guys embrace your God-given limits and lean into Christ as your sufficiency and strength? Mm. You know, I think for me, one of them would be, I have these friends named Hal and Amy. They're both in their 80s. Hal has MS, and so he doesn't have use of his right hand. They married later in life, so they never had children. And they just, like, they are some of the most fruitful people I know with some pretty serious limits. And so watching them and knowing They don't have the traditional way of having children, but I can tell you they have lots and lots of spiritual children and, you know, how can't do physically lots of things, but man, is he a fruitful man. So I think they've been, they've been huge for me. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was going to say something similar. My mentor who actually died of Parkinson's in April, she talked a lot about limits. Now I think about it, it's just kind of all hitting me. And I remember saying to her when I was probably 25 and she was, I don't know, 50 when she was diagnosed. And I said, what would like 30 year old Wendy thought about this? So she's like, oh, she would have hated it. And I said, well, what do you think about it now? She's like, well, I just, I know Jesus in a different way now. And basically kind of like these limits in all of this pain and all this, I still feel like the fullness of joy and him near. And like, so it just kind of showed me that like, even when so many major things are taken, 
right? There was this intimacy in this place of joy. And so I think she just showed me a different way to look at it for sure. Well, I praise God for the ways that you have testified to His grace in your life and done that from a position of weakness. You guys were talking to me about this just a couple of days ago, how we lead from uh, like our weakness. We lead with a limp if we're not moving toward others from that place of knowing our own need, then like we probably need to reconsider like what we're leading them toward. So thank you so much for being such a potent example of that to me personally, and for doing that for the listeners through the Journey Women podcast today. As always, it's been a joy to have you on the show. We pray this conversation has encouraged you to lift your eyes from yourself, to release your grip on all the things that you're striving to do, and to look instead to Christ, whose grace is enough to sufficiently meet your every need. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode today, we would love it if you would share it with a friend or leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Facebook. These help us get the podcast into the hands of other women who might find it helpful as they journey to glorify God. This episode was edited and sound designed by the team at Sound On Studios. You can find out more about their work at soundonsoundoff.com. We are so grateful for them and for you. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Have a great week.